Uh, I love that commercial. It got a lot of heat, actually. Lots of people saw that and didn't appreciate it very much. Uh, and some, it, you know, so tender in their heart, just the idea that a father would essentially um, tell, lie to his family that he was dead, um, only to get them to come. And, uh, but I thought it was so telling, because for me, while it gets a lot of flack, I think sometimes we underestimate the, the power and the reality of the heart of a father that would want to draw in his children by any means necessary. And as, as Christians, as faith believers, I am convinced of, of this reality of the Father. And I believe it's the greatest reality that Jesus came to reveal to us. And it's the reality of his dad, who is in heaven, and, and it's how he related to him the most. Of the hundreds of names given to God, it was the name that Jesus used most often. It was the name of Father. And we see in this video that there's such a reflection of the Father heart towards us. And I love the Father's heart towards me. It's, it's for me, been uh, the most fascinating and the most exciting thing to ever happen inside of my very soul. It's been the thing that, I, I won't lie, for, for much of my life in the, I guess you could say, quote-unquote, Christian faith, uh, I didn't really understand who and what I belonged to. I didn't really, you know, we use terms and language like our identity in Christ and all these things, but I didn't really have a clue what that was until Jesus started bringing me in to the, to the Father reality of His heart. And while that commercial might get flack, I wonder if any one of us wouldn't wonder what it's like for the Father heart to be apart from your children for too long. You know, I've recently become a dad. I got a, a, a son. He's a year and a half years old. I, you guys seen our picture. It's on there. You don't have to show it, but uh, sorry they couldn't be here with us today. Um, we just had a little complication. Uh, there was sickness in, in the Harris home, and we just didn't want to take the chance on it, but uh, my wife and, and my son wish, wish they could have been here, and we deeply wish we could have come as a family, but I'm, I'm on my own today, but at the end of it, I know what it is to to be a father now, and it's exciting, and I, it's, I've, I've just been captured by this father heart of God. If you're a parent, you know what this is, but it's brand new to me, but to me, it's one of the, the most exciting things, and I, undoubtedly, it's been in the season of becoming a father that God has shown me his father heart, and unfortunately, and I think even culturally, I think we see in the reflection of, of how people even respond to something like that, uh, like that video that we just saw. How far away we are removed from being a culture and a people who really uh, have learned how to tap into this father heart reality. That God is a good father. How many of you guys love singing that song? Anybody? That God's a good, good father. He's a good father. And I think he's the best father. He knows how to father us so perfectly. And um, Jesus, you know, walked in this sense of who his father was and that who he was speaking to, and he was so enamored that he, he, he gazed upon the reality of, of, of God as, as Father, and he lived in that realm. So every time you see Jesus, you hear Jesus, you know that he is perfectly and wonderfully fathered, and that he wanted to reveal to us this very Father, not just to say, in your face, I've got a good dad, what about you suckers? No, he's like, I've got a good dad, and I believe you're to have a good dad. And he wanted to bring this into our DNA, into um, who we are. 
And as I've been praying and I've been listening to your pastor, I, I just it oozes out of him this heart of a father for this house, for you guys, for this community. And I believe that if sanctuary family is, is to be the family, that the core at who God has called you to be, then there has to be the establishment, the core establishment of who the ultimate father is. It has to be in your thinking. It has to be in your way of life. And I'm praying, oh, how I've prayed, God, would you establish in this church so that Gina, Louisiana would have a fathered church, a fathered people, a people who are well-fathered. They would have leadership that carry heart of gold, that carry hearts of fathers, that they would have men of God who have hearts of fathers and the heart of a father that's reflected, that I will do anything. I will stop at no cost, even the cost of my own son and laying down my own life so that all would know the glory of God and the glory in Christ Jesus and that they would know that there's a father in heaven that truly loves them. Do you say amen to that? God wants this, this people, this community to have that. But if there's not the core establishment as to Father in heaven, as God's led me in this journey, I got to tell you, He has provoked my heart in so many ways. In so many ways that I have had what I would call an orphan mindset. I know that might be new language, but my mindset is that of an orphan, that I would want to relate to God and Father in one way, but then I would have orphan-like mentality and orphan-like thought that he's brought into question. And I set my heart two years ago that when I prayed that I'd call him dad. That I'd call him father. And some of you guys are like, that's weird, dude. What you doing? That's kind of goofy. I'm weird like that. And I want to know God fully. So I started praying, God, I want to know you as father. And he says, well, start calling me that. You know, sometimes you've got to set your heart. You've got to set your words. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if my heart really believes, I'm going to go that way. Even if I don't feel like it, I'm not responding to my feelings. I'm responding to the word and the reality of God. So I start establishing that in my life. So I set my heart and I start calling him father. And man, there were moments, I won't lie to you, I didn't want to call him dad. And I was like, why? And he provoked my heart and I learned his love as he patiently walked with me in this. He patiently, he would, he would kind of, the Holy Spirit would go, well, you realize you don't really feel that way about me. You realize that you question me here. You realize you actually doubt me in this. You realize that you have a greater fear of this than you do of me. And all these things, and I won't lie, I just wanted to be like, okay, just forget this whole thing. But he was drawing me into his heart. He wants to draw you into his heart. I believe that to truly become a man of God, you have to learn how to face God. You have to learn how to face his holy heart, his holy eyes. We're just saying, I see you now. One of the greatest things we ever learn in life. One of the biggest things I could challenge you in. I'd ask you to really challenge your own. When you close your eyes and you imagine God, what is his face towards you? Truly. If I'm honest, I thought God was more displeased with me, that he was frustrated, that he was annoyed with me, that I was a problem. I had issues and I couldn't figure it out and he probably was somewhat annoyed. I have a good earthly father. I don't know where this stuff came from. My dad didn't reflect that heart. 
And I was questioning God, what is in me, why? And so I would have to face the living God and I would want to peer into his holy heart and capture him and say, God, how do you really feel about me? And I want to believe it. I don't know about you. Maybe sometimes we just kind of go on and we're okay to be like orphans in this world. And God has brought me into a a temporary um, grieving period for the body of Christ. Friend, I love you. Body of Christ, I love you. But I got to tell you, we're next to horrible sometimes in, in how we allow ourselves to think towards God, the thoughts that we have sometimes. And I don't know you, so I'm not trying to, to impose something upon you that maybe I carried for so long, but I just want to say sometimes we struggle to really understand who he is in his heart. And when we set our hearts to understand, it gets hard. And it takes people of God who, he says, a perfect love that casts out all fear. That I cannot be afraid to come into his courts and to gaze upon him and to know him for who he truly is. That God does love us. That he is a good, good father. And I believe that he is casting the seed and hearts are capturing it. Hands go up. I love to sing about him being a good father. Oh, but we realize that there's this tension sometimes that aches within us. And we have and we carry sometimes this orphan-like mindset into the world that we, don't long, that we don't approach any and every decision of our life as though we're children of God. I want to give you an example from my personal life. It was a while ago that I knew um, that we, my wife and I needed to, uh, we were starting to pray about some things that he had put in her heart. And my wife is amazing, trust me. She is like a hundred times more better looking. I know that's hard to believe. But she is, and she's so amazing. She's so much more talented, gifted in every way. Like, I really believe my wife will make millions of dollars one day, and I'm just going to just ride on her coattails. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. But uh, honestly, she's just amazing. Um, but God started speaking to her heart this, this, this dream of having a business. And I was like, it, was, it felt kind of out of left field for me, but she starts crying. My wife does not cry. I'm the crier. Okay, I admit it, all right? I'm just kind of the, 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 the crier in our relationship. She's just, I mean, and it, most time when we do marriage counseling stuff or whatever, we have to like reverse roles because I get the, you know, emotional stuff and she's all like, bah, you know, and just we, we got this weird thing, right? So we're trying to navigate through that, but whatever. Sorry, guys, I'm really different and weird, so you're just going to have to roll with me. Um, so she has this stuff where she's like, I, w- I feel like I'm supposed to do this. And I start, we just, so one day we're going to a prophetic conference and we just hold hands and I pray and I go, God, you've been speaking this and you've been putting this in her heart. And I want, I believe you're a good father that you wouldn't give this to her, but this doesn't make sense right now. Like we're in, you know, we were in Utah at the time and just a lot wasn't making sense. So we pray and just say, Lord, just help us here. And uh, the next day, the next day in this conference, we actually weren't there, but um, this guy gets up, he's from California, and here we are in Utah, and he gets up and he just says, hey, I've got a word for somebody, and um, it is, he said, I've got a word about, uh, he just said Kansas City, he said coffee shop, and then he said uh, August 17th, August 21st, excuse me, and which was amazing because for us, we've been, we're from Kansas City. My wife and I were born and raised there. Everyone in our church family knew who we were and where we were from. And we had just been praying and asking God to reveal about a shop. And sitting on our counter was literally just a note. And all it said was August 21st. 
And I forgot that I wrote that down two months ago because my grandpa was coming into town. He said, hey, we're coming August 21st. I was in a hurry. All I wrote down was August 21st, left it on the counter. Totally forgot it was there. My wife picked it up and said August 21st. It had been there for so many weeks, and she's so sharp. She just goes, okay, I'll just remember this. She threw it away. So when this guy gives us word and people come to us, they said there was somebody who had a word about Kansas City, a coffee shop, and uh, August 21st, and we believe that word was for you. You need to go back. So we're like overwhelmed by this whole circumstance. We're going, God, we had just prayed this very thing. Sure enough, we hear from this guy, and he said, actually, I'd had this dream not too long ago, and, and this was it. And he, was, was, and he spelled it out just as clearly as we received it. And so we go, God, what do we do with this? And I felt in my heart the Lord was saying, it's time to go back, go back to Kansas City. He goes, I want to show, show Samantha that I love her with the Father's love. I want to show her who I am in her life, that she doesn't believe it like you believe it, and I'm going to ask you to do something hard. I want you to lay your ministry down, and I want you to just go for her sake. And I was like, okay, so what, what, what does that mean? Like financially, all these other questions that were rising in my heart, and he never, he's still, we're here, we're in Kansas City, I still don't have answers to those. He said, just go. I said, okay, August 21st was the very day, and we didn't plan it. I actually totally forgot. It wasn't until two weeks after we sold it. But August 21st, we put our house on the market, and I remember praying to Father. I just said, Father, we need money. Like, you know we need money. And, and my wife is a money lady. She, she loves money. She needs money. How many any ladies in the house say amen? No, no ladies here like money? Okay, that's, I like it. So maybe it's all the men. All right, all the men. You like money? Okay, very cool. We love money. It's really cool. So we were like, hey, Lord, we need money badly. And so I prayed. Uh, we had just bought our house, for, and we bought it for $135,000, a two-bedroom condo. Salt Lake's crazy. You live in two bedrooms for that much. And that next year, we were hoping to, I, I made a crazy number of 169000 because the appreciation for homes was just crazy in Utah right now. And I just prayed, Lord, I was like, we need more money. And it's just like, I'm asking for more than $25,000 for us to go in this next season. I was like, I know that's kind of crazy because we only, in which she wrote the numbers, our realtor, she said, the best case scenario is that you guys might come out around $22,000 to $23,000 ahead, which was amazing still, right? I mean, like one year of owning a home and that's where we were is incredible. And then it was on August 21st, the very day, and I had totally forgotten that the week, about the day that he had spoken of. On August 21st, investors from Chicago say, we don't want to buy this for $129. We want to give you a full cash offer for the price of $180,000. We made four, almost $40,000. No, we had a two-bed, two-bath. There were three-bed and two-baths in those, that same complex. Not one of them sold for that same price. Do you know what that was like as a son? Say, Father, I just asked for this. And here you go, being a good father. And I just want to say, I think there's too many people that don't walk around in their life believing, trusting that there's a father in heaven who looks out for his children and he loves his kids and he wants to take care of us. I won't lie to you, I had a heart that said, God, I, I feel like I'm asking for something I haven't earned. I want to earn this for you. I feel like I, 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 I want, in, in my heart, the enemy's going, you lazy, you know, all these things, you just want money, and I'm just like, I, 
I wanted to, I'm trying to step out in faith. Father, I'm trying to walk with you. And there's all these attacks. And I just want to make the decision. I'm just asking for this. And he says, I know exactly what you need. I will provide for you. I will do more than you could ever ask, think, and imagine. I want you to trust me as who I am in your life. And I set my heart to understand. I, had the, I just believed that I had a childlike faith. That he, that's all he asked of me. He wants me to ask him for crazy things, not because he's crazy, but because he's such a big father and he wants you to ask for things that you can't imagine. And I just said, God, this is the craziest request. Could I just get this? Because my wife loves money and I want to love her and I don't want her to hate me. So just please let there be peace. And he goes, I know what you need. He's just, I'm a, you, think, you think heaven's short of the blessing that he can't open up the windows of heaven and give you what you need, my friend? He loves you. He loves giving to you. He loves helping you. He loves encouraging you. He loves blessing you. The saddest reality is so few of us carry that reality in our hearts. And we carry a wounded orphan-like spirit. And we don't know. We we haven't heard that there's been the seal of adoption on our life. He has put his, he calls his very spirit inside of you, the spirit of adoption. You know, legally, there are more protection, there's more protection over one who is adopted than one who is born naturally. And in the legal courts of heaven, his adoption of you, of you, of your, as you being a son and a daughter, there is such protection over your life. There is such a covering over your life. There is so, but yet we are like the children of Israel. All throughout history, God's been showing himself as a father. He called them his very own. I've called you out of Egypt to be my very own children. And he led like a father leads by presence, fire by night, cloud by day. All these times saying, these are my kids. And what did the children do? We, God, I don't get it. You're asking us to walk in faith. I don't know where my food's coming from. I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know where anything's coming from. Let's go back. Let's go back to the world. It was better having the security of just knowing where my food is going to come from. It's amazing how often that in fathering, that the father is the provider and he feeds through an appetite. It was the sin of receiving an apple or a fruit from a tree. It was the appetite of somebody, of Adam and Eve, that it was their appetite that led them into a, a craving into sin. It was the appetite of the Israelites. And so often it's our appetites that still lead us away, that we crave the things that are outside of God and his heart for us. And we don't allow him to be who he's called to be in our life and to be the father. And I want to propose to you today that this was Jesus' greatest desire was to reveal this very father to us. He came to show and to reveal the father and to give access to that father. He had to die so that we could have access to the Father, right? But Jesus didn't die and rise again so that me and you could have church. No. He died for us and he rose to live in this reality. He didn't come up from the grave and say, everybody, I'm back. Let's now go to church. No. You know what he said? His very words were this. He sees Mary and he says, Mary, there's good news. I'm back. Ooh, I like that. That's like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm back, you know. I'm ready to, the Terminator. He's back. He's ready to do some things. And he tells them, he says, you know what, I'm back. And I want you to go to my brothers. 
And go and tell them that I'm going to my father and their father, to my God and their God. He has established, his blood has covered, and he said, we now live in the greatest reality to ever be known, that they will be called sons and daughters of God, and my blood has been shed, and they are the sons and the daughters. Go tell them that I'm going to our daddy in heaven. Man, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Oh, praise God. I love the reality of the Father. This is what He's called you to. This is what He's called you to. I want to ask you, I want to challenge you. Have you made plans in your heart to go in that direction? Jesus has made the way. He is the way. No one comes to the Father but through Jesus. No one comes to the Father but through Jesus. He wanted to lead. He said, I'm the access point. I'm the entry point into my Father reality. He revealed the Father so perfectly and so wonderfully. And I believe that there's a passage of Scripture that you just cannot look at enough in regards to the revelation of the Father heart. And it's found in Luke, it's found in Luke uh, 15. Some of you guys know this as the story of the prodigal son. I call it the story of the prodigal father. Prodigal means lavished living, and, and father is a lavishing God. And he, it's the story of when they find out who their dad really is. That he's a lavishing God. He lavishes himself. He spends on his kids everything. Most of all, the precious blood of Christ. And I look at this and I, and, I, and I look and I've learned that this story is a lot less about one lost son who goes far away and has some wild oats to sow. This is more about two sons who never experienced the heart of the father until they came to drastic measures to ever encounter it. These are two lost sons who never really encountered their father heart. Though, though being in his house... And I'd like to tell you today that you're protected from an orphan spirit because you come to church. I want to just, I love you, but you're not. I've been in church my whole life. Never knew the Father like He's revealed to me. I want to say that because you had a good dad on earth, then you must know the Father in heaven. That's not even true. The reality is, it's not Jesus said in, 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 in John, or I think it's, no, sorry, Luke 10, he says, no one knows the Father but me, and no one knows me but the Father. And the other part is, no one knows the Father but whom the Son chooses to reveal. Only until there's a revelation from the Son to you, to your very heart, do you ever get to experience the revelation of the Father. So we come into access, the entry point. God has elevated His Son. They, I love this. God, the Father, God, the Son, they just elevate one another in such high degrees. There has always been perfect community. Since the foundations of the earth, there has been wonderful and perfect community within the heart of God. That the Father loves to, to lift and glorify the Son, and the Son wants to glorify the Father and the Spirit. And it's, it's beautiful. It's always been there. It's always been in God's heart. And He does this. And, and the Son wants to reveal the Father. And the Father wants to glorify the Son. He says, I'm going to make you the access point, the entry point into me. And, and the, I want everyone to know who you are. I want to live in the glory of the Father. And it's just, and it's, it's lovely. And he calls us into this. He says, and let them be one as we are one. 
There is such a unity in the heart of Christ that when you have this establishment as a church, as a person, as an individual, it is amazing the security you have in your life and how you will begin to shine like a city on a hill to be a well-fathered people. And God shows us this. There's two sons and they're totally missing the father heart. They've never encountered the reality of who he is. I wonder sometimes in my own life how many times I've walked the halls of my father and I've passed by and I've heard the word of God preached or I've I've been in a service and I've passed by his holy, pure father heart and it never caught my attention. Because like the, 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 the sons and the daughters in this video, there's too many other things that have captured my gaze. When all along, there was always a father within him that wanted to kill the fatted calf and celebrate who I was as his son. Did you know that there's a celebration in heaven always for you? There's a celebration in God's heart for who you are. He loves you. He's fascinated by you. He's put all creation on notice that their that their redemption would be connected to the redemption of his sons and daughters the scriptures say that all creation cries out for the re- the revelation of who the sons and daughters would be that all creation right now groans the bible says in romans 8 that it groans right now for the revelation of sons and daughters what does all of creation know about the creator that has been so established within its dna that it wants its creator to be who, who they know is a father the rocks know the trees know the oceans know the birds know everything knows that their creator is a father and connected is the in the greatest piece of his creation is us humanity And he has called us into this. And yet we live void of this reality. I want to throw up a scripture really quick before I move on to the... Can we throw that scripture up? I'm sorry, John. There we go. It's this father reality that I think is so burning in in our hearts that we very very rarely understand. Because Jesus said, he wanted to show, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, he's speaking to his disciples here. If you would have known me, Like, this is three years in. If you had known me, you would know. You would know my father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Jesus said, you've seen the father. And and he says, wait, what? Philip goes, oh, yes, yes, yes. Show us the father, and that will be enough for us. In other versions, he says, show us the father, and we will be satisfied. Without the revelation of the Father in your life and in my life, there will always be something inside of you that lives unsatisfied. Without the revelation, I've said that, and I hope that your heart catches this. Without the revelation of Father God in your life, you will always live unsatisfied. Here Jesus has perfectly saying, you have seen the Father. And yet, how often is it that in our existence, in our Christianity even, though having received Christ, yet there's still something that feels so orphaned and lost within inside of us that says, Lord, oh yes, yes. I mean, I could imagine. I would have been Philip. Yes, that sounds great. The revelation of the Father, I've kind of always wanted to know that God was my Father. And that makes no sense to me. So I will be satisfied once I get that. And Jesus goes, you have that. And sometimes I feel like a preacher up here looking at some people going, hey, you've got it. And they're like, just show me that. That would be great. It's like, you've got it. 
You must believe in faith that the Father has established this in who you are. That if creation is groaning, then maybe we have to wake up and go, God, what is inside of me that I am missing currently? That I am missing the reality of your heart. I don't know you as you were supposed to be known. Oh, but I humble myself to know. And we see these two boys. One of them, and I see myself, and I think we should always see ourselves in both of these guys. I think I always try to identify one with the other. Maybe I'm this. The reality is I've learned enough in life. I am both of these sons. One son finds his meaning and his purpose all outside of, of what he can do with God's resources outside of God's house. I want to tell you every good and perfect gift comes from above. I just came out of youth ministry. Seems like nobody, I'm, forgive me here, I don't mean to be blunt and, and weird, but I'm just simply saying, nobody, I, the hardest thing was to talk about the, some of the greatest things that God's given to us. And man, when you talk to teenagers about things like sex, they're just like, whoa, don't, okay, whoa, Pastor Logan, let's don't do that, this is church, you know, <laughs> they say, oh, come on, don't get weird on us. And it's like, no, we, 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 have, we have quit calling the things that God calls good, good. He's like, every good and perfect gift, it comes from Him, He's the Father of lights. He's the Father of lights. It's His very Word. Everything that He has given to us that is good, and we don't know what to do with these things. These are the things of God's heart. And he's, and he's lavished us with so much, but because we often, we don't know how to relate to God in, this, in, in so many ways that we try to maneuver our ways. You know, just, and so we, we see God's stuff, and we think, what would I do with that outside of God? And that's the perversion of the enemy. How can I take the things of God? And that's what the enemy does. He doesn't create. He just takes the things that are created and perverts them for his own purposes. He's an illegitimate father that wants to lead you astray and cause you to feel like an illegitimate son or daughter. But he is. And, he's, and God says, no, I've created these things and I've given them to you. I, no doubt, undoubtedly, having worked with teenagers for a long time, I see so many teenagers in this story walk amongst dad's house and say, I know what I would do with all this. Dad, you just don't have it all figured out. I don't know about you, but sometimes as a son, I look at God and go, God, you just have it wrong. You just have it wrong. I'm sorry. You just didn't figure this one out right. And God, you know, I know he loves me. So I, you know, in my questions and my doubts, he goes, son, you have no clue what you're talking about. You know, he just, he loves me still, but he's like, you don't know. You don't understand. So I, I say things, I think, God, we should do this. And sometimes he says, yes, I love that son. Sometimes he says, you have no clue what you're talking about, and he rebukes me. But either way, it's a, a relationship of love and discipline. And so I walk with God in this way, and I'm going, God, sometimes I see what you have and what, you, what, you, what we could do, and I want to do my own thing. But instead of peering into his heart and asking what he wants, I've, I've, I've gone outside the limits. I've gone outside the boundaries that the Father has set up so that I would be safe and secure. I've, I've, I've messed up. I've done a lot of stuff. I've, as a pastor, had to confess to my wife an addiction to pornography years ago. I love telling this story because I know how well-fathered I am since then. I had to go to her with some things that were just ugly, just ugly. And in, in the midst of it, she didn't respond very well naturally. If you, you know, it wasn't the most well-received. I had hidden sin in my life for years. 
And here I had to confess something that was so hard. And in that moment, you know what the war inside of me was? It actually wasn't my wife in front of me. It was the word of God before me, the word of my father that says, I want you to confess this and I want you to trust who I am in your life that no matter what you've seen, no matter what you've done, I'm bigger, I'm greater, I'm stronger and I'm establishing this in your heart so that when my wife looked at me and she she wasn't receiving it and sometimes she, she wanted to take her anger out on me and I knew I had to to come into agreement with God's heart for his love for his daughter and also his love for me. And I had to hold down the fort for the both of us. And I only could have done that if there was, if there was a father in my life and he was there. But I've taken the things of this world and I've, I've gone out and I've felt far from God. I've gone to my own devices. I've done with what I wanted to do with, with what God has given. And I've lived hard times like most of us like all of us and then you have the other brother who established in his life a standard what he called obedience he called it obedience to his father he he, he obeyed him and he lived to a standard that he deemed worthy of his father's approval and he called it in the word he says he called it actually obedience But when the the brother comes home and he finds the father's affections, when he lives so long squandered by this world, and finally he comes to such a low place that his heart looks towards that which is truly good. He realized the revelation of his father and how truly good his father was. He said, even the servants don't eat at the standard that I have. And he, he said, I'll just come to the status of a servant when he's a son. And he said, no way could my father love me in this manner anymore. I'll just, because they live. And I want to tell you, in this world, you will live below the poverty level of what even a servant of a child of God will live. But, and when he comes, do you think God had any interest in wanting to, to debate and talk about his standard and in what he had done wrong? He just says, my son is back. And he loves him and he lavishes him in his love. He gives him the, 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 he gives him the family checkbook. He says, here you go. He gets him a robe of righteousness that says, you are still, you still wear our name. You are my son. You will not go beneath any level but a son. He reordains, he reestablishes in his life an identity of who he was. And they have dancing and they're singing. You could have never earned this love. And here's the other brother. Here's what happens when you establish a standard in your life that you have established for yourself and not God. What happens is you begin to hold yourself to that standard and and your worth is based on your ability to hold that. And not only your worth of yourself, but your worth of your brothers and your sisters. It's only your ability to, to, to measure up to my standard of what you should be that I can ever deem you worthy. You go out on the streets and you see somebody and you don't like what they see. You don't like how they're living. You don't like, and you, and you got this standard against them that says, you know, you're not worth time or attention until, and, and boy, I know. I know that sometimes we, we feel like self-made people until your ability to pick yourself up, until you're able to pull yourself together. And we have all these cute phrases for the reality that, that honestly, we, we live as orphans sometimes. We think we've done this. And can we not at least 
pull back from that mentality and look and go, which one of these sons was celebrated? Which one of these sons? Jacob, the father says, I have to celebrate him. It's not, a, it's not even a, I'd like to. It's I have to. This is my heart. And, he's, and he, you know what he tells the other son? This has been my heart for you the whole time also. This has been my heart for you this whole time. He said, you have always lived in my house and these things were always available to you. I can't tell you how long. I want to I confess something. I can't tell you how long in my life I have lived not asking for God because of jealousy from a brother or a sister of God. You know, if God can give some, if he can give a business, if he can give a, a good word, if he can do something in somebody else's life, that just encourages me. One, I'm thankful for my brother and sister who's receiving in the Lord, but I go, but you're my father too. And I don't have to have this jealous, competitive spirit towards my brother and my sister. No, you're my father. So I ask for what they got. If he doesn't give it, it's okay. He's still a good father. He knows better, right? He's going to, you don't need that, or you know, you're not getting it. Sorry. You know, or just, but sometimes he goes, like, I, I can't tell how many stories I heard. What gave me the faith to ask for more money for that house was not my Moran. It was actually other people's encounters with the Holy God and the Holy Father. I said, if they've gotten things, well, I'm just going to be crazy enough to ask you too. And I pray. I pray that my faith in some way propels you. Some of you, you need to be doing different things. You need to be asking for more, for more of God. But most of all, the most important key and the central point of it is you need to be experiencing the Father reality in your life. There's nothing more securing than knowing the Father in this way. I live liberated. I am free as His Son. When He looks at me, He enjoys who He sees. Jesus said, just as you, Father, have loved me, so you have loved them. That means that when Jesus, when, when he gets, he hadn't done anything in ministry yet. And in the heavens open and a dove settles and the Father's voice comes and says, this is my Son whom I'm well pleased. And if the Father loves me in the same way, that means before I've done anything for the Lord, before I've ministered, before I've preached, before I've you know, prayed for my family, when I'm sloppy, gross, disgusting me, I haven't showered or I've, I've sinned and all these things, He goes, I still love you. I am pleased with you. I see Jesus in you. You're my Son. And I just get to live in this grace. And Jesus has established this reign of grace in our lives today. Would you stand with me today? Can you just close your eyes with me? I don't know how this was received here in this. I had to go a completely different direction than what God what I honestly, what I wanted to say, <laughs> kind of what I wanted to say, I think I'll be able to share tonight, but Father said, this is what you're sharing. I said, don't do that, please. And this is what he wanted us to hear today. And I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced today. Guys, friends, beloved, I'm convinced that this church was called to be and live in the identity and the status of, of having an amazing Father in heaven and living as privileged and blessed, humble sons and daughters. Living in complete humility. 
He says, I oppose the power and I give grace to the humble. He loves to work and operate with, with those who Jesus said, Father, I love what you've done, that you have revealed these things, not to the wise and to the learned, but to infants. It's not that there's a shame in you growing and learning and maturity. In fact, it's expected to be in Christ, to mature into mature believers. But that maturity never comes outside of the core identity of a son and daughter. You never grow out of being a kid with God. You are always his child. And adults, I just want to speak to you. There are too many of us. We give ourselves as, as, as parents, as grandparents, as whatever, a free pass to just live whatever kind of life without the realm and identity of that being a son or a daughter. Sometimes we let our family go to church, men. We let our families go to church without us. Failing to remember the church is not just for those kids, it's for all the kids, and you're a child in that house, and you need to take them to Father's house. We're called to live and to dwell in the house of the Father. That there would be a Father mentality established in our hearts. If there could be a piano or some background music, please. I just believe that God wants. Here's what I'm going to do. Pastor Heath, if you just come up here. What I feel led to do is I want to pray over this house. I want to pray a prayer of belief and encouragement and faith to rise in, these, in every single one that's here. And I want to ask your spiritual father of this house, Pastor Heath, to, to just lead from, from that as to what the response should be here today. But I want you to hear from a brother in the Lord. I want to pray prophetically over this church. If you just raise your hands and just receive what God wants to say over your life and over this church, would you just receive this, I pray. Father, you see every child here. You see all of us. We do not want to be in name alone sanctuary family. But Lord, we believe and we trust that it will only be in the establishment of you as our Father. Will we and all those that you've actually called to be here who are not here today and right now in this moment, that God, you want to father them. But let it first be learned and growed in our own life what it is to be fathered. What it is to submit ourselves to the reality of the Father. To the love of the Father. To go on this journey of being the children of God and allowing You, God, to have Your way, that we would not be the stiff-necked people of Israel, that only, well, let you, only if it, it looks like this and it feels like this and, and, I, and I have it my way. God, if this is how You choose to feed us, we thank You for the bread. If this is how You choose to lead us, we thank You for Your leadership. When I don't understand, when I can't figure it all out, I know you're ahead of me. I know you're behind me. I know you're within me. And I know that you love me. And I pray for the revelation of that love that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. No height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation can separate us from this great love we have in you. That you have loved us well. That you have loved us perfectly. And Jesus, we thank you for your leadership. We thank You for the revelation of the Father that You lived so well. We thank You for Your very submission to the will of the Father to go to the cross when in Your heart You longed for the, path, for the, for the cup to pass from You, but You still received it on our behalf. 
We thank You for Your fatherhood. We thank You for shepherding us. We thank You that You are going to use sanctuary family to go into their, to its destiny to be the children and the people of God. That when people see this people, they will say, I want a father like that. I need the realm of the Father. That, Like Philip, I too will not be satisfied. I will, it will not be enough for me until I know that God. I bless these people. I pray encouragement to these people. I pray that their eyes will be lift up to the hills where their help comes from. The Maker of heaven and earth. That you would be their God and their Father. We ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.